For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling with Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. There's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like or follow, and I will most likely give you one in return. That's King David Lane, all major social media platforms, and King David Comedy, coming with K, all social media, social media major platforms. We're here to talk wrestling and problems on wrestling with problems. So I'm just going to jump right into it. I'll get into some shameless self-promotion a little bit later. Actually, I'll do a little bit now. I'm wearing my Gary Rugby Club. That is a predecessor to my current club of North West Indiana Reapers. Originally, it was Gary Rugby Club. Then it became North West Indiana uh, Rugby Club, which also used the mascot of the Exiles. And now we're the North West Indiana Reapers. We merged with the Ileana Misfits. So anyway, just wearing this old throwback shirt if you're watching the video, so in case you're wondering what I'm doing. Anyway, let's get into some wrestling stuff. Uh, we had Hell in a Cell this past weekend. Uh, Hell in a Cell is one of those pay-per-views above the like the so-called WWE Big Four, which is really a big three because Spark Series is a count. Uh, it's one of the ones that usually count on to be pretty good. Hell in a Cell... Uh, Money in the Bank will probably be other uh, ones that I count on that I expect to be good. So usually there's about five, I'd say, reliable pay-per-views that I count on. Oh, yeah, an Elimination Chamber. That makes it six. I can't forget about Elimination Chamber. But obviously, two of those contain steel cages, so that tells you a lot about it. Would you expect that type of match? Uh, but there's like six pay-per-views that I count on be pretty good. The rest of them are crapshoots. <laughs> But uh, Hell in a Cell had some good action. It did not let me down. Uh, I was not, you know, there was parts of the card I wasn't looking particularly towards, but there are other parts that I really were looking forward to. And I guess it, it worked out exactly as I planned out of the seven matches. Uh, I say technically seven moves on the pre-show. Of course, I didn't get to see the pre-show because I never see the pre-show because on Peacock, their app is a mess to use, and it's hard to find stuff, and it's never where it's supposed to be or where you think it's going to be. So just like I said the last time I watched a pay-per-view on Peacock, maybe at some point I will go back and watch the kickoff show, but I have not watched it yet because they didn't pop up where I could see it. So Natalia with Tamina defeated Manny Rose with Dana Brooke by submission. I had I did not see this match. I have no idea what occurred, so I won't be judging it. Anyway, let's get into the six matches that were uh, on the main card. Uh, you basically, he started off with the Bianca Belair versus Bailey match. Bianca Belair defeated Bailey with pinfall uh, in a match that was for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. This match was 
just a shade under 20, 20 minutes. It was uh, the second best match on the card. It's a very, very, very good match. Uh, in fact, uh, if it ran about the same amount of time as the other match that was, I would that I'm going to put slightly ahead of it, it, it probably would have matched it. I just had to give the other match the edge because it was longer uh, and a little bit more of a better story toward overall, but. Uh, but that's because when you have more people, you can get a better story if it's handled correctly. More people isn't always necessarily a good thing, but in a situation where I'll get into another match, I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but, but Bailey, uh, Bianca, they did their thing. They put together an incredible match. Uh, very, very tough, hard fought match. A lot of, a lot of build up in the story into the match. I know I did see some criticism about why they having a Hell in a Cell match. Basically, a cage match is supposed to be the final match in a series as opposed to the first match in a series. And I guess that's a somewhat valid criticism. However, uh, after watching this match, would you rather them not have had this match? I'm going to say no to that. So, while that is a somewhat valid criticism, uh, generally, in a situation where you get a match that's good, I'm not going to complain about that. When WWE uses a good match too early, if that's the biggest complaint you have about something, I'll just like say screw that and I'll just enjoy the good match. But uh, great use of like uh, Kendo sticks by Bailey and also some bad use of Kendo sticks. When I say bad use, I mean she just didn't use it uh, correctly within the framework of the match. I mean she they turned on. I don't mean she used them poorly. I mean strategically, and I'm making air quotes. Because it's wrestling, there's <laughs> much strategy you can use in the control environment. But uh, that's my, that, that's what I'm talking about. I didn't say I didn't. I don't mean she executed poorly as far as putting on a credible match. Uh, Bianca Belair, of course, used her hair. It was hilarious watching a hair versus a chair swinging match. That's something you'll probably you won't see in another match, or at least not with any other competitor. <laughs> so shout out to Bianca Belair for. I don't know if she's the one that thought about that spot or if the producer thought of it, but it was a <laughs> it was very very entertaining to watch, and not in a, you know a bad way because you know sometimes sometimes you can do stuff like that and look stupid, but when you have the right talent pulling off the thing, then it works out really really well. So shout out to them. Uh, Seth Rollins versus Cesaro, Cesaro by pinfall. Seth Rollins wins. Not a huge fan of this match. Not a huge fan of this uh, feud. I do like both of these competitors, but there's something missing. I feel like maybe this is one of those things where the, the match is taking place way too late. If we had seen Cesaro in this position five years ago, or, you know, even maybe two or three years ago, maybe well, I'd feel a little bit better about the feud, but it felt like they sort of dropped the ball with him. And it feels like now he's in that position where he's never going to get that top spot, so it's hard to take him completely seriously as a contender now. Uh I don't want to feel that way about it, but that's the sort of way I do. So, but you know, this match was solid work by both guys, but just, to me, it just felt like it was a little something missing going in. And like I said, when you have that feeling, it makes it harder to really get all the way into a match. They did a solid job in my match. There was nothing wrong with it, but I was, it's just like, I went into it with kind of low expectations. They did exceed my low expectations. I forget, sometimes you forget how good these guys are, but. 
there's just something missing. And I think, like I said, I think it's the fact that they just have never gave Sauer that real push over the years, and it makes it feel like now he's not going to get it. So it makes it hard to get invested. So. Uh, next, we have Alexa Bliss defeated Shannon Baszler with Nia Jackson Reginald with pinfall. Uh, I was kind of expecting a little bit more uh, especially sexy type stuff regarding this match or something, but I didn't really get it. The match was only seven minutes, so that made me think even more so that we're going to get something like that. The match was, you know, good work by both women, and they even did some cool stuff with her hypnotizing, uh, when I say her, Alexa Bliss hypnotizing Reggie and Nia Jax, but I was expecting a little bit extra to it, and we didn't get it. So the match was solid. I was expecting a little bit more cinematic stuff, something before or after the match, but we didn't get that. So I was kind of surprised and a little bit disappointed. Uh, again, this isn't a criticism of any of the competitors of the match. Everybody did a great job, even these seconds, like Nia Jackson original. They did great jobs too, but I kind of felt we were set up for something that we didn't get. Uh, next, we got uh, Sami Zayn defeated Kevin Owens by pinfall. I like both of these guys, but this felt like a throwaway blow-off blow match. We've seen these guys fight enough. We don't see them fight anymore. <laughs> so uh, I hear Kevin Owens is going to take some time off after this match. Uh, if Sami Zayn wants to continue with this sort of conspiracy gimmick thing, you know, he can do it, but he needs to do it, add something fresh to it and with some different opponents, not Kevin Owens. So. These guys, like, I know they're, they're capable, but it's not the match wasn't quality. It's just I've seen it enough. I don't see it anymore. But if you notice the theme of this pay-per-view, though, all the matches have been good, even the ones that I didn't really want to see or couldn't get fully invested in. The work was solid by the people. So that is a nice thing I can say about this uh, card, that even the, even the stuff that I wasn't, you know, hugely behind, the, the ring work at least was still quality and good. Next, we had a singles match for WWE Raw Women's Championship. It ended by disqualification. Charlotte Flair get the win, but however, the title was retained by Rhea Ripley. Uh, what can you say about these two? You know, with they're going into a match, you know the match is going to be good. They did a great job telling story in the match as far as, you know, Charlotte attacked Rhea before, talking about she's doing her lessons. She was on two lessons when you were barely into like a couple seconds, just the actual match at the bell rang. Uh, great spots, great work. Can't praise these women high, high enough. Uh, match was only 14 minutes, so that was, the, if anything, I was probably the only disappointed about that because it was only the fourth longest match on the card, I believe. Um, one, two, three, yeah, so fourth longest match on the card. But again, uh, we're going to see more of these, especially since more of these uh, competitors against each other, and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, this is, uh, as far as WWE goes, this is a relatively fresh food with top stars. Charlotte's been like the queen of the women's division pretty much since the time she arrived there. I guess you could arguably say uh, Becky Lynch did have a nice run in there leading up to her pregnancy where she was probably the individual top dog just for maybe a year or two period. But if you include the entirety of Charlotte's run versus the entire Tired of Becky's run and Charlotte's been number one. They came up, I believe, roughly the same time. But again, more quality work, great storyline, great storytelling. Every, everything about this match was likable. Great job by them. Uh, last but not least, we had a last chance to tell them a sale match for the championship. 
If Drew McIntyre loses, he's not, he does not get another title shot against Bobby Lashley. Uh, this is what a quote heavyweight, you know, Matt should be as far as you're gonna, if you're gonna have two big guys in the ring, and I, I consider Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre both big guys, whether it be muscular, height, or a combination of the both, this is what you want to see. Uh, this wasn't just two guys uh, punching and kicking. They were bumping. They were, like, going off the cage. They were doing backdrops. They were going to tables. They were, like, you know, flying into the cage. So if you see a, a – if you, if you want to see a true heavyweight match, a, a true clash of titans, this is what they get. This wasn't Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, per se, or this wasn't, like, you know, the Young Bucks in a match or something like that. But that's not necessarily what you expect out of heavyweights. This also wasn't the giant Kali versus Kurgan interrogator. That's that's my biggest fear whenever you get two big guys. You're going to get a boring match like that. This was not that. This was athleticism uh, by two talented, quality big men. You know, it, and it's weird to say it feels like they're both in their prime because Bobby Lashley's over 40. Drew McIntyre, I think he's in his late 30s. So I guess in wrestling, you still can sort of be in your prime in the late 30s, even maybe even your early 40s. Uh, but in most other sports, these guys will be on on the downside at this point, and these guys still are putting on some of their best performances. So uh, shout out to them. And, of course, this was great work, not only with the angle of uh, the referee bump, because sometimes the referee bump is an overplayed cliche, but they did a good job of playing into that with the referee bump and then, you know, having to open the cage and let another referee in because Drew McIntyre knew he couldn't win without a ref. So, of course, when the new ref came in, of course, MVP snuck in behind him. Uh, Drew McIntyre attempts to take MVP out of the picture and seemingly does until he, until it turns out he, uh, until it turns out actually he didn't. The best part is, you know, the look on, uh, another, well, not the best part, but another good part was MVP, the look on his face. When he, when the, I guess the third referee came down and locked him in the cage, he tried to get out of the cage and he realized he's locked in. That was great. So this was some this was some great storytelling within the context of a 25 minute match with great bumps, great action, two powerful, strong, athletic guys laying it all on the line. Drew McIntyre, of course, at the end after he loses, because uh, uh, MVP was back in the picture at that point in the match, grabbed his leg, preventing him from like you know going for the uh, uh, going for his kick at the end, and then next thing you know, Bobby Lashley gets a roll up. The look on Drew McIntyre's face that uh, he knows he doesn't get another title shot at least against uh, Lashley was a nice way to fade to black from the uh, at the end of the pay per view. So. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Overall, I was looking at what grade I was going to give this. I'm going to give this card an A minus. And I don't know the last time that I've given a made a, a, a main card WWE pay per view. And obviously, when we say main card because because we consider if we're considering NXT, not quote the main card. Uh, takeovers tend to get a lot of A's and A minuses. This is the first time I've given 
a WWE pay-per-view when they called Raw or SmackDown ran combined bands but A minus and I don't know how long. <laughs> so uh great work uh by WWE. Like I said, if there was a couple of in the mid card they could have did better than they could have did a little bit more with the Alexa Bliss Basler uh Sheena Basler storyline. But again, there was nothing that was bad about the work in any of the matches. It was just, you know, you know, an issue of, you know, where people are on the card and what they've been doing recently and some things fell out of blow offs a little bit. As well as, you know, you only gave Alexa Bliss and Santa Basil seven minutes and I thought it was gonna be a little bit more to that. So A minus card, great job at WWE. Hopefully this will propel them into a nice strong era. Uh this was the last pay per view of the Thunderdome era going forward. WWE should have live crowds for all their uh Major events, they should be going back on the road next month anyway on top of that. So hopefully this is a sort of launching point and leads them to a great new era of wrestling. They actually do have, they actually did have competition leading into, uh, the pandemic with AEW, but unfortunately very, very quickly into that, uh, that sort of took a back seat as far as, you know, there being another major company. But now that both uh, AEW's uh, brand will be back in front of Black Crowd starting next month, I mean, more more packed crowds. They did have a full crowd, I believe, uh, 100% capacity level crowd recently. But now that there's potential for that to do that consistently, I think this will be a huge difference. And now that there's no NXT versus AEW, you know, diluting their numbers, once the NBA playoffs are over and uh, – AEW Dynamite goes back to a regular Wednesday night slot. We can actually make a real comparison and really get a, a, a look at the vibe of the crowds and how things are going. Uh, Raw has been on like the uh, decline as far as ratings for like quite some time. Uh, AEW was 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 you know getting around a million, close to it, give or take a hundred thousand, almost every week when it was in its regular spot. So Raw was down underneath two million for like a long time. SmackDown actually was under two million this week too. So I'm wondering can can AEW Dynamite actually beat? Uh, my my first thing is will it be able to beat Raw in the ratings at some point? Because that would be like a huge victory for them. Uh, obviously, it's going to be much harder for uh, for AEW to beat SmackDown, even though the ratings are relatively close to uh, Raw on SmackDown. But SmackDown being on the broadcast network is going to be harder to beat that, even though the difference is nearly as big as it probably would have been a few years ago. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. So. Anyway, let's move on to some actual wrestling news. Do have a few stories that I want to discuss before I get out of here, so I'm going to get into some news talks. Let's move on to the news talk of uh, wrestling problems. Uh, here's something that's interesting that uh, it's being reported. And by the way, I want to thank SC Scoops. They have provided most, uh, pretty much most of the information I want to use for as far as headlines and news I'm going to discuss today. So, uh, this first article: This uh, McMahon introduces new rule for all TV matches. This is a very, very simple rule. I do not understand how this is not a rule the whole time. It's ridiculous. It's not been a rule. And it's one of the things that I noticed about Lucha Underground that I always praised him for. Lucha Underground, it seems like every time you see something on TV for Lucha Underground, it's important and it matters to either a storyline, all the matches, you know, fit into the storylines, they all advance the story, 
there seems to be no wasted uh, TV time. If, if, if it's not important to some kind of storyline or further in story, they don't waste time with it. And if you have a good creative side, a good writing team, it's not that hard to pull that off. Uh, anyway, here's a rule. According to Ringside News, uh, and again, as he scoops this recording from the Ringside News, every single match needs to have a reason for being. Nothing will occur just for the sake of seeing two wrestlers compete head to head. This new ruling explains why Jeff Hardy's career was suddenly aligned as his recent match for such as in uh, This ruling is an interesting one, however. Given WWE's creative issues in recent years, can they rise to vacation? That does raise a good point. The writing team has not been great. <laughs> uh, and you can't just uh, do I wouldn't necessarily do somebody not major with every match, obviously. You can't have somebody match on the line or have somebody's career on the line every match. You can't have somebody's uh, risk of getting a title shot on the rip. But, you know, you can do a few of these things on a weekly basis. You can subtly advance the storyline every week. But there's no more, you know, just putting stuff to put stuff because we got three hours and we got two hours to fill. So hopefully this will be something that they stick with long term. Uh and I'm, you know, fingers crossed. Next, we got uh, details on NXT shortening ring interest to avoid losing viewers. Uh, this is something that I never really thought about, but if you watch NXT, their ring interests are shorter than Raw or SmackDown. I don't, I never really thought about it until now, but apparently it's something they decided uh, when NXT and AEW were still going to hit the hits, they felt like. If you're watching NXT and then you have a long ring entrance, <laughs> that's all the more reason just to turn on the heat up. You can watch that for a while and see what's going on. That was a lesson from the Monday Night Wars. You know, you don't have dead time because if you have dead time, that's a chance to switch the channel. That's also, you know, if you, if you pay attention, NXT and AEW both have situations where they have the picture in picture that they go to. I think AEW hypes it a little bit more than NXT does, but if you watch both shows, there are situations where, uh, you know, you have that, uh, picture in picture where you still see the action. Although sometimes the action is a rest hall. <laughs> so it doesn't really make a lot of sense if it's a rest hall. So I'm not going to pay attention to that. But, uh, it's believed that HBK wife's Rebecca is the one suggested this. Uh, there hasn't been any confirmation on that, but that, that would be interesting. Apparently, sh- the word is maybe she she brought it up and then uh, he brought it up to Triple H after she brought it up to him. So hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll we'll see. Uh, there's all sort of ways where you can sort of uh, eliminate downtime within the show. You don't want a lot of downtime, even even if you're not against uh, AEW anymore. There's still all, a million different things you don't want people looking at their phones or you know. Surf the internet or other stuff. Although, honestly, when I'm on, when I'm watching NXT, if I'm watching the weekly show, that's probably what I'm doing. I'm probably reading news on my on my main TV and watch it on this smaller TV. I have a 32 inch that I watch TV on, and I put watching air quotes because the because the, uh, the 60 inch I'm like looking at my computer stuff on that because I read a lot of news and I would I would no, I would not be able to watch. I read my three to four hours of news a day and watch, you know, two or three hours of wrestling every day 
and worked out for two and a half hours a day. And rugby practice, improv rehearsal, open mics, everything that I do in my life. It's, my life is a busy, busy mess. <laughs> so I have to multitask at this point. But anyway, uh, that's uh, interesting. I, 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 and I never really thought about it until I saw it mentioned it. So now when, when I do watch NXT, I'm actually going to get just the ring interest to see how long they are relative to the uh, Raw and SmackDown ones. Now we'll get into some international news. Uh, Japan is to honor wrestling history with a legacy tournament. And I was wondering uh, what was going on with this, but apparently they're going to celebrate the 70 years of professional wrestling in Japan. Nine of the country's top organizations to put in a judge. I didn't realize there was nine top uh, companies there, but when I looked at the list, I was like, I guess it is. Because obviously you didn't think of New Japan, but there's – a bunch of other ones that do it, and uh, here's a list of the uh, different companies that are going to be taking part of this. They haven't announced any individual talent just yet, uh, but you do have uh, New Japan, All Japan, Pro Wrestling Noah, Big Japan Pro, Michinoku Pro, DDT, Zero One, Two AW, and Dragon Gate. So, with this amount of talent. You can have some dream matches you never really thought possible. Uh, also, they haven't listed if there's going to be any Japanese talent uh, listed. So I don't, but I would assume at some point you're probably going to get some impact and some um, some AEW talent in there. Ring of Honor as well, at least I hope, because there is that huge the tradition of Gaijin being in the match. So I would love to see. Uh, some of that talent as well. I hope I hope I hope we get almost nothing in this in this uh, event, but matches that we've never seen before because people did not work in the same organization at the same time. So, uh, unfortunately, so far there's no Josie organizations. If you're not familiar with that term, that is uh, Japanese women's organizations available. So I think it is uh, that's disappointing. Although traditionally. And apparently in Japan, you don't have necessarily a lot of uh, situations where male and female competitors are on the same cards anyway. So hopefully this could be something that would change that, though, at least, you know, for this. Uh, there are separate organizations that are more Josie-related. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, since this is going to be a unique event anyway, they would go ahead and uh, take that step and, you know, and, and be more inclusive. Uh, there's no worry yet if it's going to be televised, either inside or outside of Japan at the moment, but the tickets will go on sale uh, June 25th at the Japan Wrestling Hall of Fame Supporters Club uh, web shop. So uh, if you're in Japan or you have easy access to it, that's how you can get your tickets. So uh, we're definitely going to be covering this more in the coming weeks because I definitely want to give you uh, – more info on this and any information I can find I will share with you guys. On a related note, Fred Rosser officially signs the New Japan. He's such a key component on the New Japan uh, strong weekly shows. I did not realize he, was, he wasn't under contract because he's on that show just about every week. So I just assumed that he had signed. He's been with them a while. I heard when he first started doing work with them a while ago. Uh, he had been doing a, a trilogy match with Kiko Leo. 
so, and then, you know, you've had a lot of stuff. You've had Rocky Romero on the show a lot. You've had uh, Tom Lawler and a bunch of other, had Bateman. So there's been a bunch of different talent on the uh, New Japan Strong show. Uh, so overall, I am uh, happy for him that he's signed. Uh, apparently, he's also worked with NWA lately. Uh, he actually was, he actually lost to JTG on the, uh, Winter Our Shadows Fall pay-per-view. Uh, I always forget, he, he was in WWE for like 12 years. It doesn't seem like he was there that long, but he was there, there for a long time. Was, he ended up being one of those guys where, oh yeah, you're still in a contract? <laughs> of course, the guy that defeated him, JTG, was also one of the guys like, you still in a contract? <laughs> I would not be surprised if JTG, if they released him and they didn't realize they didn't completely release him and he was still on the contract. He's like, oh crap, we thought we cut him, but you didn't. He was still collecting the check like, uh, <laughs> like the dude from Alpha Space. <laughs> anyway, uh, congratulations to him. Uh, here's some interesting news. Uh, the one heavyweight champion, uh, the MMA organization that works out of Asia, their champion, has challenged uh, Jake Hager to a fight in AEW. They did the uh, MMA uh, style cage match on AEW. So Arjan Singh Bular uh, called him out. He's like, hey, real, hey, at real Jake Hager, that's his Twitter handle. Congrats on that squash match with Warlow. It wasn't really a squash match, though. <laughs> Warlow did put up a decent fight, even though the fight didn't go. I don't think four two rounds, but he did at least put up a decent fight. So I wouldn't call it a squash match. But anyway, let me let me go back to this. Let me go back to reading the tweet as it, as he wrote it. Hey, at real Jake Hager, congrats on that squash match with Warlow. How about we get fans a real fight inside the AEW Square Circle Live on TNT Drama and at AEW on TNT Bellator versus one winner gets the mace of and a man in the right to be called the God of Wrestling, or called the hashtag God of Wrestling. So, uh, probably not going to happen, but this is, he's doing a good job of, uh, putting his name out there. And, uh, cause one, it's not as popular in America as it is in Asia, but I do, uh, occasionally see it on, uh, uh, I believe it's, I believe it's on TNT. Actually, I take that back now that I think about it. Now that I think about it, with one actually, Actually airing occasionally, I do, I do believe it airs on, uh, TNT. Cause I believe I've seen it, uh, I believe I've seen it, you know, air right after, uh, AEW. So that actually could be an interesting possibility. Uh, yeah, so just about about to talk myself out of that. I was like, actually, that actually could happen because they do have a, you know, some sort of relationship. I don't know if one's going to continue to do specials, but they did do a special on TNT. Uh, it, did do decent ratings. It did wasn't huge. Uh, I did three hundred thirty-seven thousand viewers. You know, and for, you know, for most programming on cable, that's that's not that bad. Uh, it's not it's not AEW numbers in a normal week, but uh, it's it's relatively close to uh, what they're doing on the Friday nights. Uh, and also, it's way better than Impact Wrestling. Just that's like. Still 50% higher than Impact gets most weeks, even a good week when they have Kenny Omega on the show. So, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely could be interesting. Like I said, I, I don't know if they'll do like a, uh, I don't know if they'll do like a, 
AEW thing, or like I said, Hager still is doing MMA stuff last I checked. I wanted to check and see if uh, Jake Hager was still in the Bellator contract. As far as I can tell, he still is. So I don't know if Bellator would be all that willing to let their guy, quote, fight the guy who's with one heavyweight. <laughs> but it could be an interesting possibility. So I won't completely write it off, but I will kind of wonder uh, what's going on there. So, But it could be an interesting event. Uh, I know some people didn't like the uh, MMA-style uh, fights they had. I think for a wrestling version of it, it was decent, though. I don't think it was great, but I did think it was decent. Uh, they did make the smart decision on not, not having it go on way too long because that was something I feared. 15 minutes might be a little bit long to, to pull that off. It did start off slow, but at the same time, that's the way MMA uh, fights tend to work. There's that little bit of a filling out process really on before, you know, you start to get to a little bit more action. And obviously, the Superman punch off the cage was kind of stupid because you probably won't get that very often in, uh, in an MMA, MMA fight. You definitely wouldn't want to be a guy who doesn't have experience doing that, trying to pull that off, versus a guy who's very experienced as a wrestler and mixed martial artist. But, uh, for the most part, I thought it was a, it was some solid work by them. So uh, I think I, I think overall that was a good job. Here's something uh, a little blast from the past. Uh, Scott Hall has been discussing how much money he still makes from NWO merchandise. He explained that he's making he was making way less money in uh, WWF than than he was losing he got WCW deal. He got a huge raise. Said he was making a six figure off just merchandise, and it's weird because obviously now WWE controls the uh, the NWO merchandise. He's like, I'm making six figures just off merchandise. And every once in a while, you make an appearance, you make more. The funny part is now I hardly work for them, hardly do anything, and the payoffs are way better. It's always first-class air for us, always to drive at the airport. When I was filling seats with them from the world, I couldn't get shit. I was sitting in the back in the middle seat back when they had smoking seats. <laughs> wow, that's a throwback. You used to be able to smoke on airplanes. In fact, planes used to have ashtrays because people smoke. Cars used to have ashtrays when I think about it. There's probably, there's probably people listening to this podcast that don't realize that. Yeah, airplanes and cars all had ashtrays. Also, cars didn't used to have, this always have seatbelts in front and the back. If you're riding a really old car, you'll see that. But yeah, things are definitely changed. Anyway, uh, He's been giving some different, some different interesting tales about uh, how things are different. Apparently, uh, when they, when he debuted for that first time uh, from Nitro, uh, the match in the ring was, uh, I believe, was Steve Dunn versus uh, uh, Mike Enos, and those guys were not told <laughs> that he was going to be coming out to the ring. So. If you look at the looks on their faces, they are both surprised that he showed up because they literally didn't know. And I just find that hilarious. It, re- it reminds me of when Enzo Amore and uh, Big Cass, although that's not what they were going by at that moment, when they just showed up to like a ring of honor card, I think it was. And it was like, they were like, what the hell is going on here? 
So I guess they were trying – it's possible they were trying to re- relive that magic. Definitely interesting, though, so. Uh, also, it appears that Scott Hall seems to have his stuff back together now. I'm, I'm hoping that sticks. Like I said, he's had numerous relapses in his life. There was a point when he said, I'm not going to – I don't plan on getting my life together. He was just sort of, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. But that was – a couple of relapses ago, I believe, but hopefully now he'll, he's got himself together and he'll stay clean. You know, he has a good opportunity, making good money. Don't want him to ruin that. So uh, hopefully he's together and we'll stay together. Here's something that we don't generally, we haven't really covered that much on this show, but we don't cover a lot of the indies. But because uh, obviously I don't when, when when I say indies, I don't I don't necessarily include NWA or uh, major league wrestling because those shows at least have a somewhat national or international presence so I don't necessarily consider them indies as much uh, but GCW champion Nick Gage has been you know, sort of uh, been in the news a lot lately uh, they held a pay-per-view recently from the Al- Albany County Fairgrounds in Laramie, Wyoming and apparently it was him against Mitch Warner in a Buckhouse Brawl match uh, things got so wild in the main event, the police apparently showed up to question Gage about the belt. Uh, Joey Janela posted a video of the cops questioning people backstage about the CW event after the show. You can go actually go on uh, Janela at Janela Baby, his Twitter account. ACOT showed up questioning at Mance Warner and looking for Gage doing a concussion stand brawl during the main event of GC Wrestling underscore. Uh, no, he said con- concussion stand. I don't know if he meant to say concession stand or if that was a joke or not, but anyway, the good old days are back, last outlaws, and he posted a, you know, a link where you can check it out. So, but that is very, very interesting. Like I said, it, I love the name of this event. Uh, the outlaw mud, mud show is the name of the event. So that's a great marketing name. Somewhere, uh, Jim Cornette's rolling over his grave, even though he's not dead. <laughs> they called a pay-per-view outlaw much. So. If you are interested in checking out the event, they did have some other uh, matches for some other stars in it too. By the way, you had uh, a bullroom match between one Carl Manders and Matthew Justice, and a singles match between Ricky Morton and Alex Cougar or Cogger. I'm not sure about his name. I believe it's Cogger. But uh, definitely interested. Of Nick Davies, Nick Davies is definitely making some moves. He did get a little interaction with uh, Zach Ryder as well, so they're going to be out, uh, having a match at the upcoming homecoming event. So, uh, if you have a chance to check it out, feel free to check it out. I'm definitely going to see if I can find anything about this and uh, look into it myself. Billy Corgan commented recently on the Talk is Jericho podcast where he discussed some um, aspects of running um, wrestling promotion. And he went back and discussed when he bought the company in 2019 of May, because at the time he had been trying to buy TNA and that ended up being a whole mess. He actually revealed that WWE was offered the chance to buy it, but they was like, nah, we don't want it. Apparently <laughs> there was one person, one person owned it. Nobody else wanted it other than him. He tried to sell it to everybody. Uh, here's a quote uh, from him. And then I purchased NWA. Crazily enough, it was owned by one person who was so devalued. He tried to sell it to everybody. Nobody wanted it as far as I know. He certainly offered it to WWE. They thought it was so worth it, they didn't even buy it, just take it off the market. 
I'm kind of surprised by them. It, it feels like they would have, uh, that would have been a great buy for them. Hell, that would have been a great buy just to, uh, they either could have rebranded NXT with NWA name or, or just a sort of did sort of what they did with ECW where they just sort of, you know, occasionally did it. They could have made it their developmental, uh, or, there's any, there's any number of things I felt like they could, cause they could actually, or actually they could have took the NWA, made it what NXT is and, and took NXT back to being Del Melo. There's a bunch of stuff they could have done. So, so I'm surprised they didn't do it. But that just shows you how little value they had at this time. So I did not realize that that was the case regarding, uh, NWA that, you know, they offered the WWE a bunch of places. Nobody wanted to buy it. Uh, that's just that just blows my mind. I mean, I understand you know it's been, NWA is not what NWA used to be. You know, like, since WC since WCW pulled out, it hasn't been what it was going to be. But, but there have been like sort of a death by a thousand cults as far as the NWA. There was when WWF pulled out. There was when, uh, when WCW pulled out. Obviously, world class pulled out. So there was a lot of different pullouts over the, over the years. It sort of hurt more and more, but. The fact that WWE wouldn't even buy it just for the legacy and everything else. And I know, you know, Vince is a wrestling historian. They own, like, the archives from tons of different territories and different companies. You figure they wouldn't want the NWA version of so, I mean, That's just kind of shocking to me. Last but not least, before we get out of here, we're going to give you a little bit of an update on MLW. Because apparently NWO, N- MW, MLW, sorry about that. MLW's Azteca Underground Show is going to be his own thing. Apparently, it's not going to be filming until uh, fall, unfortunately. So I was actually kind of hyped about it. I was hoping it was, you know, be out you know, sometime this summer, but we're going to have to wait a while. But the one uh, good news aspect to, to me that it is, they give me time to actually finish watching Lucha Underground. So I'm still got like two seasons of email. Uh, Two seasons of Lucha Underground I got to watch. Uh, when the first season came out, I loved it. It was my favorite wrestling being produced at the time. Unfortunately, that's uh, when it was in its offseason, I decided I'm going to cut the cord and get rid of cable. So I no longer had L. Ray. Eventually, I did get a streaming uh, streaming cable service, uh, but I did not have access to L. Ray on that, so I just sort of missed it out. I ended up not getting caught up on it when it was on Netflix. I am now getting caught up with the rest of it now that it's on Tubi, however. Because I used to watch uh, ECW in my bedroom when I would do the upstairs portion of my workout because I have some, like, I have a, you know, a decent home gym in my basement, but there's, you know, different things that necessarily won't necessarily fit in that. So I keep a separate section upstairs in my bedroom, just make sure it's there. So that's what, that was my tradition for a while. At first I was watching WrestleManias and I would do that and, over the course of like a year or two, I went through all the WrestleManias. This year, sorry, I switched over to ECW. And since ECW switched to Peacock, most of the ECW weekly stuff was not up on it. I don't know if they, I haven't checked recently to see if they have put any of it up yet. But when I first checked, it wasn't up there. So I was like, oh, I guess what I'll do is I'll switch and now it's my time to watch the Underground. So now I've been waking my, working my way through season two of my Lucha Underground. I think I'm up to like episode 20. I did not realize the seasons were as long as they were. So I thought it was like I thought it was gonna be like thirteen episodes a season, or, you know, or maybe you know sixteen. But apparently, nope. They run, some of the seasons run twenty-something episodes long. So I'm still not sure how many episodes I have left that season to watch. But 
I'm making my way through it, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm kind of glad because, you know, more wrestling is better from Lucha Underground, at least. Not necessarily when it's Raw or SmackDown, because I don't necessarily need any more of that. <laughs> but definitely Lucha Underground more is better. So, like I said, when I finally uh, finish season two, I'll make a note to discuss it a little bit more on, on the air. Anyway, you've been listening to Wrestling with Problems. I'm King David Lane. We're on the show this week. Be back next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm talking to you guys. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And, by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.